Episode 6 of Live, Learn, Lead podcast, Adaptive Leadership with Jane Fryer. Welcome to Live, Learn, Lead. Whether you are a new leader, aspiring to be one, or simply want to master leading your own life, this podcast is for you. Leadership starts from within, and we believe that the first step to leading in any walk of life is to lead yourself. Designed specifically to educate and motivate the leader within you, we have honest and inspiring stories of what success really looks like. Interviews with leadership experts from around the world, and personal insights from me, your host, Natalie Lockyer. Our mission is to make sure we all learn how to live our best lives and lead others so that they can do the same. So hi and welcome back and I'm here this evening with Jane Fryett and you run a HR consultancy, right? That's right. Hi, I'm Jane Fryett. Uh, my business is face-to-face HR. I work with small business owners to help them get the best out of their people and deal with HR issues when they arise. Great. So you have probably been quite busy in the last few weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's been a real roller coaster, actually, like most of us have been on this roller coaster, but sort of getting to grips with the whole new guidelines issued by the government and supporting businesses with furloughing their staff and deciding who to furlough and making difficult decisions over redundancies, um, how to continue to operate uh, in those industries where they, they are keeping going. So, yeah, really challenging. Mm, wow. So um, we're here tonight to kind of, I guess, go over some of that because I think a lot of businesses have had to pivot really, really hard in the last few weeks. There's been some changes that, you know, two months ago, if you'd have said nearly every company was either going to be furloughed or working from home, people would have laughed and gone, it's not possible. And of course, yeah. we've, we've achieved the impossible, which, you know, there's a positive side to that. that companies have achieved the impossible in the last few weeks. But with that is now the dust settling. Um, People have probably made the decisions that they need to make, hopefully, about their staff or maybe with longevity coming through. And we're realizing now, obviously, it's not going to be just three weeks of lockdown. It's likely to be a lot longer, Mm. a more prolonged effect. I guess it's looking at the challenges that people have had. Um, how they've dealt with that and then how we move forwards into this next phase of kind of waiting and adapting mm. to see what happens with the environment and then planning for a phased return which I assume mm. will happen um, so yeah let's dive on in <laughs> sure yeah I think it has been really challenging because I think if we think back sort of four four or five weeks maybe even a bit longer than that actually five six weeks when we were starting to be told, you know, wash your hands, be careful about face-to-face meetings. We were kind of bumping elbows when we met mm-hmm. people, starting to cancel, you know, client engagements. And, um, you know, I'm sure in terms of employees, you know, that level of anxiety, what does it mean? You know, should we be going to work? Shouldn't we be going to work? You know, I think that's been a real, diff- really difficult period. And and then, you know, businesses realise this is here to stay. This is, you know, businesses are closing, schools are closing, people can't look after their kids. Um, you know, and and I think when you look at it, say on the like the change curve sort of thing, it was a real dive into a depression. You know, are we going to have to make people redundant? How on earth are we going to survive? Clients are not paying us, so how can we pay our staff? We're going to have to look at you know, cutting back costs. And I think it was a, it's been really, really tough. And then the government, this amazing scheme, the job retention scheme, and 
you know, it's been a massive lifeline to a lot of businesses, as well as, you know, the support for self-employed and some of the other measures that have been put in place to support businesses. I think we were sort of going up that roller coaster then of, you know, oh my goodness, my business is not going to survive too. We've got a lifeline. How do we get our heads around this scheme? What do we have to do? Who do we furlough? How, what happens if somebody's sort of sick and self-isolating, you know, so we've had all these kind of guidelines come out and people like myself and accountants and solicitors have just been, you know, working to get our heads around it really so that we can advise. Uh, and there's still a lot of questions actually. I mean, the government has been amazing, let's face it, in terms of getting this out and getting the guidance out, but there are still questions. And so, so my role has been really supporting businesses with making decisions helping them to furlough staff that they that they don't have work for and redistribute work amongst those that they do that they are keeping going helping them to support people who are home working um yeah and and people who have children trying to home homeschool them you know how how do they juggle work and luckily now we know we can furlough those individuals so yeah there's been it's been a really changing landscape and trying to keep on top of it but mm. even it's been a challenge, let alone for, you know, business owners. So yeah, it's, it's been a, a challenging time, I think, but you know, we're coming out of that really now. So hopefully most of your listeners have, if they are making decisions like furloughing staff, they have already done that now and they, they know who's, who's on the furlough, who, who they're getting that, that money for. Um, the portal is going to be open in a week or so. Um, and they'll be able to submit their employees' names and the amounts that they've paid them into that portal. And then hopefully by the end of the month, they'll get paid that money. So from a cash flow point of view, it seems like the government has or is certainly planning to deliver to that timescale, which is amazing. Um, and really now I'm encouraging people to think about, well, how am I supporting both those individuals who are on furlough leave at home and those who continue to work, um, possibly at home, probably at home, um, possibly still in the workplace. Uh, and, you know, there are different ways of, I think you do need to look at those groups slightly differently. Uh, today I did a webinar on supporting furloughed workers because my concern about them is if we have a long period of time with people um, on leave, essentially, um, not working, there can be some disengagement with the business you know you want those people to come back when you know you're switching the lights back on you want them back you want them ready to go you don't want kind of a period where people are sort of getting used to being at work again because they've not heard from you from you for six weeks or yeah. so um and I mean, that you know I t- sorry interrupting you no, I was, no, I mean, that's a really good place to start like I was thinking we might start with people still in their traditional workplaces with it looking a bit different but let's start with furloughed workers we've already gone there um and I'm I'm getting people come to me and say they are you know they're the employees some of them yes and they are struggling with a sense of purpose even people who mm. are from home but this lack of routine because it's not just been a change in business it's been changing our whole lives and there's this yeah. like, you know we saw the, the change curve today and I think it's really important to look at that but there's also like a grief curve as well and mm. we are grieving a way of life that we have not given permission for our lives to change in this way so it's kind of a post-traumatic curve um for many and I think 
finding purpose, particularly when you don't even have that daily routine of work and you weren't expecting it, you're not ready for that. You know, it's not like you're planning for retirement or planning for a break. So what would you recommend to anyone who's trying to look after their teams who are furloughed to make sure that they're okay right now as best they can and mm. that they're, they're not dealing with this kind of almost, you know, I don't want to use this term loosely, but almost a mental health crisis when people come back because they've had so long been disengaged or demotivated just from this lack of routine and connection with people. Yeah, I think it's um, the main advice I'll give is don't treat everybody the same because there will be some people who are really valuing this pause in their life. If they're kind of an introvert and they're not somebody who loves going out socialising, if they've got children at home that are occupying their time and actually normally they perhaps don't spend that amount of time with their kids, they might be really valuing this pause and they are still being paid. So they, they... whilst they've taken probably a slight cut in their earnings, they've cut their costs as well. They're not driving. They're not, um, possibly they're not paying childcare fees. You know, there are all sorts of of, of um, changes that have affected our, our costs as well. Um, so for them, I think, yes, it's a massive change, but I think from the grieving and the mental health point of view, there's slightly different challenges. Mm. That, so they're actually enjoying it. Well, possibly I think it depends you know obviously looking after your kids 24 7 when you normally have <laughs> is in itself a, a highly stressful um, you know existence but um I think there are others who whose work is really important to them you know a lot of us our career it, it defines us it it gives us a sense of self-worth and that has disappeared and I think for, for individuals who um perhaps don't have you know, um, large families, they may be isolating on their own. I think that this is really challenging and and it will affect people in such different ways. I think that the main advice for managers is n- know your staff, have contact with them, make sure you are communicating with them. Obviously, you can't ask them to do work and they shouldn't be logged into their work email, but make sure you've got a method of communicating with them, whether that's by telephone, which is from people I've heard from, that is the preferred method, which I was quite surprised about in this digital age, that people actually want somebody to pick up the phone. They want them to say, how are you? And ask them probably more than once, how are you really? Because we're not used to having those conversations at work, are we? You know, we come in and we do our job and we know our, our colleagues, but from a sort of manager-employee relationship, you know, that mental health piece is still... An uncomfortable, it can be an uncomfortable conversation, but I think that is critical. You know, engaging with them, um, asking them how they are, asking what they're doing with their day. And if you do have a regular meeting, if you had a weekly meeting with your team, why not continue that? But just make it more of a social event, whether it's you know just having a chat over a coffee, a coffee hour on Zoom, or um, whether it's just um, you know having a sort of WhatsApp half an hour where people can send messages to each other you know there's all sorts of ways of using technology to support this um but I think the important thing is is just having a dialogue and not leaving these people to just kind of be on their own the other thing that worries me a little bit about the furloughed workers is if they have their colleagues who are still working there's that kind of nagging doubt why is it me who's been put on furlough am I the one who's going to not have a job at the end of it you know so I think there are people who are really genuinely worried whilst they've got like 
this period where they they are receiving their money is there at some point going to be an end to that that says actually there isn't any work for you so yeah people will be you know reacting to this very differently I think Mm. so um, there's a few things I'm picking out from there is um, I'm guessing like the first one I really noticed is knowing the communication preferences for your furloughed staff like how often and what mode of contact they'd like Mm. Um, bring in some optional things like the turning a a normal work check-in to like maybe a coffee morning a more informal setting um I guess with the social you're sort of maybe I've heard some people doing like pub quizzes and Mm. challenges and that kind of thing um I guess underneath that I'm, I'm hearing you say that you know every situation is quite unique so you've almost got to get to know each individual well to know their individual situation and then keep a log of that so that could be quite overwhelming if you've got a big team are there any suggestions yeah. you've got for managing like and that's all on one person as well if it's just your team so how would you suggest making sure that you're doing your best by your team you are adhering to the individual needs but maybe you know like Sheila needs an hour a day every day and Bob needs um once every other week how do I stay on top of that and do my job as as a manager boss or director yeah I think it is challenging but I mean most people don't have hundreds of direct reports you know most people have a hierarchy beneath them so delegate some of that if those people are furloughed obviously then that is more of a challenge and I think you you can just you can only do as much as you can do obviously you've got to look your own well-being so if it's just a fortnightly email it's better than nothing you know and and that you can send to the masses I think have a mix you don't have to phone everybody every day obviously there'll be some people that definitely won't want to hear from you every day there'll be others who want a quick whatsapp message how are you doing today you you'll judge it I think the first couple of times that you contact people you'll, you'll judge very quickly how often does this person want to hear from me some will be out volunteering they won't have the headspace to even engage at all but they're doing something meaningful so maybe all they need from you is the knowledge that you're there that you're that you miss them and that you know they can see you know their colleagues once every few weeks on a cup of tea morning or a or a virtual pub or whatever you might want to do actually the response that I've had to people doing a pub quiz has been really positive um Mm -hmm. You know, so I think that is quite a good option. And generally, if if people's sort of social lives have fallen away, then that that is a good replacement. And and why not do that on a Thursday night or something? Yeah, I know I did one the other day and I'm horrendous. So we came in a very glorious last. (laughs) (laughs) Fun though, isn't it? I mean, we did what uh, I think the other day, which was a murder mystery, which was, you know, and it's something you would just never do of a Saturday night sat in your own house. So it's kind of opened up quite a lot of these different ways of interacting, which is quite interesting. And so there was, um, just in terms of preference for communication style, obviously as, as a leader or a manager, you might have a preference, say, for email because you're detail-driven, you like the formality of it, you like the security of it, you know, you've got it recorded. Um, what are some of the other ways? We've gone over telephone calls um, and obviously video calls. Is there any other way that people can, like, communicate, maybe if you're not so comfortable with video or WhatsApp, but you want to make sure people connecting with you as a person what else is there that we could use to make few people I don't know because we're not seeing each other are we? we're not seeing the body language we're not seeing facial expression or interaction yeah 
Um, so I think there's definitely a risk. Yeah, there's definitely a risk with email that it can be misinterpreted. Uh, you know how easy that is. And WhatsApp, you have very little control over what others post on WhatsApp. So I, I whilst I like WhatsApp in terms of it being kind of a social engagement, I think it can be, it can get out of hand. And it also, it can be quite intrusive, you know, and a lot of us have a lot of WhatsApp groups. The last thing people really need is another WhatsApp group. Um, but, you know, you've got to judge that. I think actually podcasts are quite nice because you do get the tone of voice. And people can listen to it while they're doing other stuff. You know, they could be doing the gardening, they could be doing the ironing, whatever. You know, you can have it on the background. It's quite nice the way in which we listen to the radio. Uh, and you can kind of transmit what you might put onto a, an email very quickly just by talking. It feels a lot more natural and perhaps a, li- a little bit less sort of worky. Um, I haven't massively played around with... Um, um, tools such as slack but there are is the potential to have that you know if you want something a bit more mm. um like a, a communications online communications channel like a like a chat channel you could set something like that up but in, you need to be careful that you know obviously furloughed workers shouldn't be able to access your your work slack channels um yeah, so it's like a personal one cool yeah and I think, like I like that one on podcasting because I know I until I started this I was like oh I can't do a podcast it's too technical but I mean you can literally just voice record and then attach a voice recording to an email can't you it doesn't have to be yeah. any more technical than that and most phones now have a voice record app don't they so you could even do it that way yeah and if you've got zoom you can just download the audio only file exactly as you're doing yeah you know, can sit there record it on zoom and then just send it out i think there is a risk with zoom that people are getting zoom fatigue <laughs> yeah it's like how many video calls today. <laughs> yeah exactly and it is it's shattering you know being on these calls but i mean if people aren't working they haven't got it perhaps so much in the day but all family engagement has gone online as well now so you know there's a it's it's really impacting i think the amount of screen time that people are having and if you're home the kids a lot of that's online as well so you know that is a consideration yeah great thank you so I think like the kids thing is quite a good segue into anybody who might be working but remotely um so there's Mm. a lot of challenges with that and I've seen some brilliant guides go out I've got some stuff going up on my website on like optimizing your workspace um not in terms of sit right but in terms of like mindset and making sure Mm. routine and all of that kind of thing um but how can you help staff because it must be really difficult having you know one person who's an introvert who's loving being at home my partner is loving it it's like it's basically no different for him apart from he is now at home and doesn't have to commute and doesn't have to fight traffic which he's loving and he can just step out in his garden whereas I'm going I've not seen people there's a person outside I'm going to see what they're doing you know (laughs) (laughs) I'm talking to the neighbours or just listening to the neighbours because there are people and I can hear them Um, and then other people obviously have a challenge of childcare like you were mentioning and if you are working from home particularly if both of you are working from home if you um, have two people looking after their kids that's got to be turning your working day a little bit upside down and making you feel maybe less productive. There's also the guilt of being a parent and trying to juggle and the kids don't understand. Um, Yeah. So what would you recommend for anybody trying to manage a team with like mixed um, individuals? So some have families, some don't. How would you approach that? 
Yeah, I think I think it is really challenging. And again, it's a not going to be a one size fits, fits all. And when, when they first announced the job retention scheme, it wasn't clear that um, individuals who were unable to work due to childcare responsibilities, you know, the schools are closed, could be furloughed. And they now can be furloughed. And that may be a, a, a valid reason to, to actually allow some of your staff who do have child caring responsibilities to go on furlough leave because actually it is really really challenging there are a lot of us doing it you know I'm juggling child care and working yes yeah, so that must be like really hard working around children and I know some people who have been doing a bit of a topsy-turvy day so one parent is taking like 7am to 1 with their toddler and then the other parent is taking 1 until 7pm so the other mm. work but that, of course, means they're not available for meetings throughout the working, the traditional working day. Mm. Um, and one's a director of a company and one's quite senior in her own business. So they can't be furloughed. So how do you just kind of managing that and expectations? Is there a good way of like helping teams understand when they can contact each other? Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think um, the main thing is to be clear about what you can and can't do and and as a manager managing a team that has lots of different scenarios you know some who are able to sit and work a normal working day others like you say who are having to juggle I think it's important for you to understand that and to make allowances for that um knowing that actually people working from home generally are more productive in the hours that they have when they're focused on their work, it's just those hours may not be the normal, you know, nine to And certainly for someone like me, you know, I tend to work around lunchtime when one of my children has a nap and then in the evening, you know, so if I was in a team, people would just, you know, I think you just need to communicate with the rest of your team members and your line manager needs to be very clear, you know, about when are the best hours for you to interact and and they're probably not going to be normal hours um and and you know I think if people can work from home and you know that is taken into consideration then that that's just how it is right now you know and we we just need to work around that um but like I say the stats say when when people work from home generally they are more productive obviously when you've got children around you you are less productive so it's about communicating to your line manager and your line manager appreciating the hours when you are focused on your work and perhaps your your partner is looking after the kids or you know if you're a single parent then perhaps your whole working day switches to your evening which is what I do quite a bit you know I have a I do have a partner but obviously he's working as well so you know we are doing funny hours. <laughs> Challenge. I think the key, as with anything, is just good communication. Yeah. Okay, great. And maybe recording that somewhere. So then I guess the the last bit there is, again, you, you're probably having the weekly or regular meetings that you have. Um, we spoke a bit about Zoom fatigue as well. Mm. And, you know, I, I'm really trying to tell people to ensure they have personal space, defined personal time in a day, mm. even if that's not when they would traditionally have it. Because I think the risk is if you are doing childcare in the day, work in the evening, I mean, you yeah. are probably a pro at this, but there's not really space for you in that day. And then yeah. that leads to burnout. And then we have all these Zoom calls, which are to keep us connected, but also has a strain on us. 
So how do we allow that and almost give permission to people to do that? Because I think particularly for high achievers, high performers and very highly driven individuals, not achieving can feel devastating. Mm. So how do you make sure those team members stay well motivated whilst you're working in this suboptimal environment? Maybe they are performing better because they're at home and they're, they're you know, they, they've got a good environment. Maybe they're not because of other things that are going on for them or because the work just isn't the same. Maybe the work is slower because of what's mm. coming in. Mm. How do you keep those people engaged? Are there any good tips or ideas? Well, I think first, the thing that's most important is the behaviour that you want to see you should be role modelling as an individual, right? So if you're working crazy hours, <laughs> downtime for yourself, then your team will think that's how they should be working. You know, so role model what you want to see others doing and communicate that, you know, in if you're talking with, if you've got um, homeworkers, you know, obviously they're not furloughed, they're still working and you're talking about, you know, what um, your expectations are for what they should achieve over the next X weeks, then say in that, you know, set them a goal to have, you know, an hour a day where they just go and sit in the garden or they, I don't know, do whatever they want to do, play the piano or, you know, so, so I think it's about thinking about your, the well-being of your staff. And one of the things that I've suggested that people do is send out information as, as a line manager, send out your team information about where they can go for some of these tools about looking after their own well-being their own mental health because it is it is a stressful time and the mind website is very good I I certainly recommend look at that but there's loads of resources if you're in a business where you've got an employee assistance program have a look on there as well because there's usually a lot of information about managing emotions you know stress managing finances all these things that like you say at this time can are at play in how effective you are feeling when you're at work yeah Thank you. Yeah, I think that's a really good one. I guess um, something that sprung to mind was like when I was in a corporate job, I also had um, private healthcare in with one of the benefits. And then the healthcare companies will quite often give out tips on, you know, stress, on anxiety, on managing your well-being. And I know some private healthcare companies are now including well-being incentives into their schemes. So that's a good place to go as well. Yeah, definitely. If you you do provide um, health insurance, your team I mean a lot of businesses don't but if you do often you will get this sort of employee assistance program with it you know because actually it's in their interest that you remain healthy obviously so why the companies will provide it but even just doing things like you know some I know some businesses are saying let's all do Joe Wicks in the morning you know and it oh my gosh I tried that and I like I realized I'm not as fit as I thought I was yeah it's really good and it's that with the kids and if if you're making that a team challenge you know that we all do joe wicks or that's not going to be for everyone obviously you know if you do a 10 minutes meditation session you know these are all ways that you can that part of the working day and make give people permission for doing it because people won't do it unless you you role model it and you say you know this is allowed this is what i'm expecting you to do 
I love that. And um, one thing I've seen somebody do is they they asked their team, we are they said we're going to be doing some personal development challenges and some well-being challenges. What would you like to do? Yeah. yeah. Some really cool ideas, you know, things I hadn't thought about. And there was even like a little bit of um one company I know I was talking to, their their teams, both furloughed and not, and they're all seeing how many hours they can contribute to voluntary activities oh wow that, yeah amazing. helping people with shopping be that um doing little deliveries or check-ins one started like a little neighborhood whatsapp um just little things to try and help people um i quite like that because it gave a sense of community and mm. giving back as well so contributing um yeah definitely yeah. i think i think anything that combines you know the need to kind of stay at home with still engaging with people in an appropriate way that you know that people can kind of come together and feel a shared sense of purpose is is great and like you say you know you can include um your home workers and your furloughed workers in something like that which again I think is really positive because you don't want to come out of this with a split workforce you know those who who carried on regardless and made the effort and those who sat at home on 80% of their pay, you know, and, and there are going to be implications for both of those groups and wherever you can, you want them to be welded together with things exactly like you've just said. Yeah. And I think it's, it's making sure that attitude doesn't develop, isn't it? Of Oh, well, I'm working hard and you're at home, you know, like yes. you don't want an us and them because it's challenging regardless of what side of things you're sitting on. Um, and I know some would prefer to switch and others wouldn't. Um, yeah. yeah. But then I guess for me, like I'm all like, yeah, you develop yourself. And I'm trying to also have like understanding of what people are going through and that this is a time when really big emotions are coming up. Um, so I think that personal development side is brilliant. Learning yeah. to have those deeper conversations is fantastic. And you've mentioned going and making sure that you're referring to places like mine. So you're not becoming a counsellor, you're not becoming a therapist, but you are just checking in with the team and genuinely seeing how are you doing as a human being. Um, but something you also mentioned. One of the things, sorry. So I was just going to say one of the really good things I recommend for line managers is to have a look at the wellness action plan that Mind has on its website that you can download because it's a great framework for having a discussion with your team members. And whether your team members are struggling or they're not struggling, it's it's a great framework just to use for having a conversation about how somebody likes to be managed. Mm, I love that. And um, another thing, so I, I really love Mind. I think they're a brilliant charity and have a lot of material available. I think they're fantastic. Another one I would recommend to people, I don't know what you think. Um, I love Brené Brown. Like I make no secret of it. She's like one of my professional heroes. Really? <laughs> Yeah. And she has a book, Dare to Lead. And in there is um, some worksheets attached on the whole website that you can go to about having candid conversations about using mm. rumble language, which I think if you're not familiar with them, if you haven't worked with them before, can be a really good entryway in. Uh, and her book's available on audio. So I'm just massively plugging her stuff. Oh, wow. <laughs> Fantastic. I'll have a look at that. Yeah, it's called Dare to Lead um, by Brené Brown. And she's got worksheets as well. So I, I think it's great. Um, and I recommend it to anyone who is considering leading, trying to lead in any capacity, including themselves. And it's great for parents too. Um, uh, but you mentioned earlier about training. 
Mm. I know people might be going, I don't have money. Like I'm really worried about the business. I'm worried about longevity. I want to be able to make sure I can employ everybody coming out of this. And so how on earth can I invest in training right now? But then there's other people saying, oh, it's a perfect time to grow and develop, particularly if Mm. the workload is lower than normal. You know, this is the time to engage people through training. So are there any like tips and tricks to juggling that? Yeah, I think um, obviously training is an interesting one because you have a proportion of your workforce. And I think a lot of businesses, the stat is they furloughed 50% of their workforce or up to 50%. Um, And, you know, this is in some degree, this is the perfect time to get people to do training because the challenge always with face-to-face training is getting everyone in a room at the same time, taking them away from their their normal day-to-day work. So what a perfect opportunity. And in my little poll that I did of furloughed workers, over 50% of them said they wanted to do some form of management leadership training whilst they're on furlough leave. So there's a great engaged workforce there that, that's saying, actually, we, we, we're up for training. It gives us purpose. We're here. We're available. We're still being paid. So, you know, get us to do some training. The challenge is exactly, as you say, is actually paying for it. There is quite a lot of free training out there um platforms such as um oh i'm gonna forget it now um future learn is totally free um so people can subscribe to that i think for six weeks it's completely free learn direct is very cost effective as well and they have a huge syllabus of training but a lot of management and leadership training providers are putting content online and for a very cut down price because of the current climate so have a look at it don't dismiss it it's going to be a lot more expensive to have to recruit people after this is all over if you lose your staff than investing a little bit now and so if you you know if you do have the ability to do that at all then I would recommend doing it and it it will be worth it I'm pretty certain it will be worth it it's just um and if you can't do that, then do them, you know, send out some free training, send some links to, for people to download podcasts from TEDx. If you think there's an inspirational speaker, you know, that people can learn or, or for yourselves, you know, as managers and leaders, have a look at TEDx. There's loads of talks on there and podcasts. Yeah, I like that. That's a good shout. And so what were the websites again? Just uh, can you run through that? I missed a few of them. So Future Learn is one. Um, and learn direct is another um, there is also so the other thing that I've been mentioning to people is actually whilst obviously they've got um, I've heard you know that there's a lot of feedback saying management leadership training one other way to engage your team is to allow them to do some non-work related training so learning a new skill you know in their personal life or taking on a hobby and there's a website called Skillshare which has loads of content on it as well Mm-hmm. Um, but like I say, people are putting stuff, even just on YouTube, you know, people are putting yeah. loads of stuff on YouTube at the moment. We watched a uh, cricket for kids the other day with my son and he absolutely loved it, you know, and it's all, that's completely free. I think it's just sp- spending a little bit of time thinking about the members of your team that you do have on furlough leave that you could be getting to do training. What was in there a last appraisal for them to learn or what do you know of their development needs? having a look around, having a chat with somebody like me or yourself, you know, to say, look, this is the need I've got. What do you think? Um, and loads of us are happy to have a chat, you know, and just talk through options. 
Yeah, I think that's great. Thank you. Because I know like places like the um, ILM, so the Institute of Leadership and Management, I know they're doing weekly um, or daily now lunchtime learns. But I think you still mm. pay the membership and I don't know if that's dropped or not. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm also learning a language. So I'm using Duolingo, which I love. Oh, <laughs> that's brilliant. free. And you can apparently 35 hours of Duolingo is like an entire semester of traditional learning so it's like oh, really? so if you've got like a really quiet week <laughs> um, but yeah I think I think it's good and I think getting people to decide what they want to learn as well if if you have that freedom um and so great I think Skillshare is a really good one I've forgotten about there um but yeah there's so much stuff going out I mean even in my dance community we were talking earlier before we started the interview about dancing my dance community has got people you would normally pay hundreds of pounds for a private session with they're putting out content for free like because mm. they want to help they want to feel like they're contributing in some way you know their entire livelihood has just gone down the pan I know people who in a matter of hours lost like 10 gram that's it because they haven't mm. got jobs for the next six months um mm. And now they're giving, you know, I think it's incredible that they're giving in that situation because they're like, well, I need to do something, mm. do nothing. So I think, yeah, there's so much free content out there. Wonderful. So I guess that leads us on to if you have staff still working in this time when people are posting about reading a book in their garden and mm. saying they're finding themselves with all this free time they've got and they're like, I am now doing six people's jobs with less people around me to help and managing my normal life and by the way will you please stop buying all the bread because by the time I get to the shops I can't get any <laughs> so mm. um, how do you look after those guys who are still going and for them life is more or less normal but still more challenging yeah I think it is a real challenge and, and hopefully there's a clear mission that's motivating a lot of these people and I'm pretty sure there is you know if they're still working their services are critical essential you know making a lot of other people's lives bearable and you know helping them probably through some really tough times I mean we had a an example today of our hob in our kitchen broke you know we had to call a guy out he's still working you know he's not on the front line of the NHS but he's critical in my eyes you know I don't have a hob <laughs> which is a challenge when you've got a family so he came in today and and did a great job and yeah I mean I think there is sort of an intrinsic level of motivation because they know that they are really helping people in a time of crisis um I think as a manager and a leader again there's a whole well-being piece are they making sure that they're looking after themselves that they're not getting burned out um there's also you know, a reward, um, making sure people are taking their annual leave, um, that, you know, maybe they're given some extra leave at some point in time, you know, at an appropriate point in time, um, and making sure that, um, if you can, that staff are rotated so that you're not relying on just a proportion to do all of the work. You know, you can take people through furlough leave, so you can furlough them for a period and then unfurlow them and, and furlough somebody else. So if you have got a really intensive working, um, you know, working pace that you, you can kind of distribute that through a wide. Yeah. Yeah. Great. And I guess the same thing goes for like going to mind, making sure you're using the worksheets there. 
and um, employee assistance if you have it for anybody who's particularly anxious about the risks of still working um yeah I mean I think if anyone's really really anxious and it's having an impact on them you know and they have maybe um you know if they're pregnant for example then I think you really need to consider uh whether or not they should actually be working and obviously if they are pregnant and you can't make the workplace safe for them then they shouldn't be at work and and they should be at home on full pay if they're pregnant you know so there are different categories of people if they're obviously if they're vulnerable if they're shielding in line with um, public health guidelines then then they should be furloughed um so yeah there's lots of kind of um different categories of people you know obviously if they develop any sort of symptoms they should be put onto sick pay um so yeah take advice I think if you are if you do have these sort of different categories of people and your feelings someone's coping a lot less than another person then there might be there might be a uh, an argument to take them away from work you know yeah thank you I think I hadn't realized that was um permitted for people who are pregnant because I think it's so important because biologically speaking obviously their immune system is suppressed quite significantly so yeah um I'm I'm glad to hear that I hadn't realized that I come in um, I think particularly in the third trimester, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't, they shouldn't be out. I mean, obviously they can work from home if, if yeah. they've the right setup. But I mean, people who are, I had understood you to mean sort of people who are out and about working. You yeah, know. yeah, that's what I meant, like out and about in the almost daily job pre-corona. Um, yeah. So, you know, essential workers. Um, wonderful. So I think that's kind of, I'm mindful of the time. I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I think you kind of mentioned it earlier in terms of you were saying, you know, if you're the CEO, the director, the, the boss leader, whoever you are, that position of authority to lead as you would ask people to follow. Um, mm. and so do the self-care, look after yourself. What would you really, is there anything else you'd add on to that, that you'd ask anybody who's in a leadership role to do for them as a human um, to make sure they don't burn out? I think it's it's being aware of your own mindset, you know, your own mental health. Uh, I think that is really important. Um, Make sure that you are communicating with the people who keep you sane and happy and balanced and all of those things you know it it is a big weight on your shoulders particularly if you have people you know out and about in the community that you're that you're responsible for um but now is not the time to be sort of shying away from that task you know I think you really need to be visible they're going to be looking to you as a sort of um a thermometer of how the business is coping you know so you have to you have to sort of step up and 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 be that um that leader that they can look up to and that will obviously take a toll so you know find out what it is that that makes you um you know makes you take time out what, what is it you enjoy doing and make sure you schedule that into your day and put it in your diary and that is not uh, negotiable you know so I think that is really important mm-hmm. I certainly you know, I, I know the signs when I'm doing too much, whether it's feeling a bit more emotional or reacting, um, overreacting to something, you know, and you just realise you've got to either get a bit more sleep or, you know, go and just go for a walk on your own or 
um, even around the garden, you know, just sit somewhere quietly for 15 minutes. And I think it's just catching yourself. Mm. Yeah, so being a dancer, I play music. I've noticed because I've not been out dancing, I haven't been around music as much and I've really missed it. So I started mm. consciously playing it and playing music that makes me happy, music that gives me energy, um, not really the sad music at the moment. Um, yeah, I think exercise is another one that's so critical. You know, obviously we're allowed to do our once a day walk, but um, but there's so much again online, you know, so many classes um, that yeah. you can for and and it's proven you know that that gives you the endorphins that that keep your mood up so again schedule exercise into your week and commit to it and and set yourself a goal you know I think if you're goal oriented which I think a lot of people who are sort of managers wanting to become you know future kind of leaders of their businesses then they are motivated by goals and there's no better way to make sure you do something than write it down yeah, I, I saw in the news today, um, there's a hundred year old vet who is doing, we see a hundred years or like 86. He's quite senior and he's doing a hundred laps of his garden to raise money for the NHS. And he's like two weeks post hip hop. Um, and I was like, wow. wow, if he can do it, I really need to pull my finger out because I've done like a couple of the of the Joe X workouts, died, not being able to walk the next day, gone, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that again. I was like, actually, I need to, I need to do this. I need to get fitter. I need to look after me. So yeah, I, I think that's really important. It does boost us, doesn't it? It gets blood flowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lovely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull one last question on you, and I didn't prep you for this, so I apologise. But we're trying to end on like a, a positive note in a time of adversity. This is meaning a lot of change for us, and I personally mm. believe it's going to change the face of business moving forwards. I think there'll be some things we'll go back to, and some things we can't because we've now mm. seen the possibility. We've seen the possibility of working from home. We've seen the benefits and the downsides of that as well. Um, what do you hope will come out of this in a positive light? What changes do you hope to see long-term for businesses and leaders? I think definitely flexibility. Flexible working has been something that's been around for a long time, but a lot of businesses do pay at lip service. Mm-hmm. And I think that proves most jobs can be moved. Some elements at least can be moved to remote, to online working. And we've had to do it. We've been forced to do it. And some managers who've resisted it and who've refused flexible working requests because, you know, they think in some way it's going to damage the team dynamic. You know, it just proves that it doesn't have to if it's set up right. Mm. And so I hope, and I'm pretty sure that people will realise that actually we can work differently. We can work more effectively. That can have an impact on costs. You know, you won't need... As, as many parking spaces or you won't need as many desks or labs or you know um there are obviously there are jobs that you you can't you know if you're a chef in a pub you you can't work from home you know if you're a receptionist in a in a, an office block you can't work from home you know there, there are always going to be those type of jobs but I think um we can certainly get the balance better than it has been uh, and and so yeah I think that's a really positive thing for people's mental well-being and um you know just getting that work-life balance into check and and I'm not suggesting people should be working five days a week from home I'm just saying I think there's a whole um better way that we can embrace flexibility in the workplace 
I love it. Thank you so much. People <laughs> want to come say hi to you. They want to get some more knowledge from you because you've dropped quite a lot on us today, which is brilliant. Thank you. How do they come find you? Well, probably the best place is on LinkedIn. I do a lot of work on LinkedIn. I do send out a lot of content. Um, so you can search for me, Jane Fryatt, F-R-Y-A-T-T, and I should come up. Uh, also, I uh, you can find me online. If you just type that into Google, you'll come up with a website, our face-to-face HR website, and you can subscribe to my newsletter if you want hints and tips. And this will keep you up to date with employment law, um, HR updates, you know, cases in really plain English. It's not a legal kind of newsletter. It's very accessible. And if you're a manager that wants to stay on top of stuff like that, then, you know, drop me an email through the website or drop me a message on LinkedIn and I can make sure that you go on my newsletter list. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And thank you, Natalie. have some of your evening left as well. <laughs> no, it's been great to talk to you. Yeah. Wow. So there we have it. A lot of knowledge. And for me, I'm taking away from this session, particularly to make sure we're checking in with each other and treating each other very individually and allowing that individual to tell you what they need from you as a manager, as a leader. I know that I'm hoping to see some incredible changes throughout the world in terms of leadership style. For me, this is the perfect time to be developing your EQ, knowing and understanding your staff and working on your self-awareness and self-reflection and doing exactly as Jane has suggested in leading as you wish others to follow. If this isn't a time for servant leadership, I don't know when it is. And I hope you are confident and comfortable in leading that way. If you're not, please do message me. I still have the free 60-minute coaching sessions available to anybody. I've also got a guide coming out on how to lead with a heart-centered and servant leadership approach and really work on that communication to make sure it is open, vulnerable and trustworthy, but also clear and decisive for your staff and for you. It works on boundaries and it has top tips on how to manage through that. If you need any more information on this, please DM me. And as always, please leave comments and feedback and let us know what you would like to hear so that we can provide it. Go well, lead well and look after yourself in this time.